Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. Today I'm joined by Chris Errington and Jack Ball as we look back on Argyle's first win of the season, which was Saturday's 2-0 victory over Charlton Athletic, courtesy of two Jake Jervis goals. Hi, chaps. Hi, Hi Steve. How are you? Very well, thank you. You're good? And I'm, well, probably not quite as happy as you two, who uh, will be mm. understandably delighted given Argyle's win at the weekend. Good, uh, good game, Chris? Yes, very encouraging performance from Argyle. Um, you know, the, the first defeat at, at Peterborough uh, was disappointing, always disappointing to lose a game, but it was a decent performance. Um, now, you take out the Bristol City game in the Carabao Cup because there was nine changes and, you know, that was a, a real bad night, but... To play Charlton and perform the way they did, um, I thought was very um, positive for you know the rest of the season. Uh, Charlton probably edged it in the first half, I think, in terms of possession and in chances. Luke McCormick made one fantastic save, which I'm sure we'll mention shortly. Um, but once Argyle took the lead, Jake Jervis in the 53rd minute, I thought they were the better team. Um, and I thought they were they were good value for the win. I, I I was encouraged, and I would have thought Jack from a fan with your fans hat on. Mm. I mean that was quite an entertaining game to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, as Chris said, you know there were a lot of changes made for the Bristol City game, and I went into Home Park and I was feeling a little nervous, you know, because you want to pick up those points as soon as possible, especially when you're in a new league. And yeah, I got had to had to stand firm in the first half, which you're gonna have to do in, in most leagues in football. You know, it's never going to be one way traffic. Your team's never going to dominate the whole game. But they, they really did play well. And I think Ryan Edwards impressed me in that first half. He made some fantastic blocks and uh, and whatnot. But yeah, I ended up leaving the game feeling very happy. And it was really encouraging. And I think, you know, there's, there's been times in the past where a big crowd's turned up and Argyle maybe haven't performed in the past. But to get that result in the opening game with such a big crowd can only be positive going forward this season. Yeah, we, we had a question last week. I can't remember who it was from, but there was a little bit of concern from the guy who sent the question in saying... He couldn't see where Argyle was going to get that first one of the season from. You yes. probably remember it. Chris, yeah, I do. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it just goes to show you know it, it, you can get it against anyone. Uh, absolutely, I and mean, I thought they did well. I mean, you look at Peterborough. It's very early in, in the season, so you can't draw too many conclusions. But Peterborough went to Bristol Rovers on Saturday and won four one, and Jack Marriott scored a hat trick. Mm. So Argyle's perhaps unfortunate two one defeat up there. You know, looks in a slightly different perspective when you look at a result like Peterborough winning four one at Bristol Rovers. It's it's way early in the season to draw too many conclusions though. But um, no, I, I, I thought they played well. Um, it was good that there's a, a decent crowd over eleven thousand. You know, created a good atmosphere. Nearly a thousand fans from Charlton as well, which I think we'll see in League One. We'll see a few more away fans turning up, which always adds to the occasion. The pitch looked great. The weather was good. You know, Jake Jervis scored two really good goals. I mean. You know, we've talked about Jake on the podcast over the years, but you know that's 29 goals he's got now for Argyle in his career, and that's that's no no mean no mean feat. So I, I thought he did really well, but you know, picking out players on Saturday was one of those uh, difficult tasks as you look through the team and and, and everyone put in a putting a steady performance. Could have been a much better performance, really, a much better afternoon. It all went quite well. Clean sheet, your first first win of the season. To get that on the board is always important, yeah. isn't it? You know and. You know, I wasn't too bothered about the Bristol City game because there were so many changes, and it, it, it just was just one of those nights where it was just a, a bit just of a, right off bit of a train wreck. But nevertheless, I think you know Jack's right. You know, second league game of the season, it was important to get some points on the board and to get three and a clean sheet and score a couple of good goals and create lots of chances. I mean, I saw Carl Robinson 
the Charlton boss reckoned that you know Charlton should have killed off Argyle in the first half, and they, you know they certainly had the opportunities. You know the Luton Cormick save, Ryan Edwards came up with a fantastic clearance, but Argyle had chances of their own in the first half as well. It wasn't all one-way traffic. So, um, and the one stat I did see that Carl Robinson won't like uh, being mentioned, but um, it was Argyle's first League One win since Easter Monday 2011 when they built beat Milton Keynes Dons 1-0 at Home Park Correct. and the manager the of Milton Keynes Dons then and the manager of Charlton on Saturday was Carl Robinson <laughs> so there's the link between Argyle's last two League One wins it should be a chance can you manage them every week <laughs> absolutely yeah and I'll uh, probably need to dig out an Adirak from somewhere as well but. so standout players then you said uh, pretty solid team performance and I mean looking from afar it mm. sounds like McCormick made this incredible save mm. the defence obviously kept a, t- a clean mm. sheet uh, from what I can gather, Nathan Blissett had a standard ovation as he went off as well. So, Jack, who who, who caught who caught your eye? You mentioned Edwards yeah, as well. Yeah, like like Chris said, it, it's a tough ch- challenge for him to pick up a player out, and it was the opposite on, on the Tuesday night. Wasn't yes. it? You know, it's, it, when it, when you have a performance like this, so well or so bad, it is mm. hard to pick up Over one opposite, player. To me, actually, the one player that didn't stand out necessarily, but one player that surprised me was Antonio Sarsovic. I I don't think he's really lived up to the expectations that I certainly felt he would when he first arrived. Obviously, he got a goal very early on in his career, but I thought he had a his one of his better games on um, on Saturday. Yeah, Nathan Blissett. I mean, you can't really judge him from the game on again on Tuesday because he had no service, and it's hard to judge a striker like that. But in the circumstances, considering he's one of very few strikers that we have at the moment, he did a good job and he got some recognition and hopefully confidence. We've spoken about confidence a lot on the podcast and the standing ovation he got from the Green Army, a big you know a big crowd. Hopefully that'll give him confidence to go on. Um, yeah, Ryan Edwards stopped a goal from going in in the first half. Yeah. I can't remember which Charlton player it was that had the shot, but it was going into the goal. Big McCormick. Yeah. And yeah. Ryan Edwards just blocked it with his head and it went over for a corner. So I, I think there was all good team, you know, a team effort. Jake Jervis again getting the goals. Uh, it's, it's good and it's less pressure on Carey when the whole team are, are performing to that standard. Yeah. Um, just want to pick out Sarkovic there. Um, Obviously, he came in last season. Everyone was talking about him as potentially Graham Carey's replacement, that type of thing, and playing that number 10 role. But obviously, Derek Adams has got him playing as one of the two defensive midfield mm. roles. Yeah. He impressed me in pre-season, Chris, when I saw him. Has he carried that pre-season form into the League One campaign? Uh, I, yeah, he's not done too badly so far. I'm still not convinced it's his best position, but uh, I think he's doing a job for the team in there. And... Certainly in the second half on Saturday, I thought he, he sort of was a lot more prominent in the game. Um, I didn't think he featured too much in the first half, but when Argyle got into the game and got the lead, I thought he was more influential. He made a good couple of good runs, he made a couple of good tackles that got the, the crowd uh, going. So yeah, I think there's still you know areas for him to work on if that's going to be his position going forward. But... Um, you know, he's got he's got ability on the ball. There's no doubt about that. The, yeah. the thing that impressed me is that the players worked hard. You know, they lost the ball, they they chased it and tried to win it back. There was no hands going up in the air and oh, I'm fed up with this. Do you know what I mean? It was it was a very hard working and determined performance. Yeah, they're going to need that, of course, in in League One this season. Mm. I think. Uh, as always, plenty of questions sent in from our readers. Uh, starting off with one from Michael Eddy, who said, "Promising signs in the league, even without that elusive number nine. How do you think it would affect Argyle's season if they don't find another striker and carried on as things are? Do you think Argyle have a big enough squad to risk first-team players against the likes of Exeter and Chelsea? Well, they, two... They've got to get that striker. They can't rely on, on the two they've got, can they? Yeah, because... I mean, there's two parts, really, to, to Michael's question. Thank you for it, Michael. Um, they'll find a striker. 
There's no doubt about it. You know, I, I'd be shocked if we went past the transfer window at the end of August and Argyle haven't brought in at least one striker and maybe two now that Ryan Edwards is going to be uh, Ryan Edwards, Ryan Taylor. Taylor is going to be out for three months. So they will, they will. He, Derek Adams will bring in a striker. I don't think it's a case of can Argyle, you know, cope without adding any more strikers. Somebody will come in. I still think it's most likely to be a Premier League. Lone, lonely, young lonely, but you know, time will tell. Derek Adams did drop a hint when I spoke to him last week that you know maybe a, a player at another club who might be more experienced but isn't in the first team would cancel his contract at the club he's at and then uh, come to Argyle as effectively a free agent. And Derek Adams did make it clear if you didn't read the piece that we had last week that Argyle aren't in a position to pay large transfer fees, so you know. Omar Bogle, John McKinley, not yeah. gonna, not gonna happen, you know. So, um, second part of the question: Do you think we have a big enough squad to risk first team players against the likes of Exeter and Chelsea? That's obviously in the Checker Trade Trophy. Uh, Chelsea under twenty ones are at Home Park on Tuesday night. Um, if it was me, I would, I would pretty much rest everyone who played on sat- Saturday, wrap them in a bit of cotton wool, and save them for the long trip to Southend on um, Saturday. Saturday, uh, Southend are coming off a five nil drubbing at. Rotherham, which was quite surprising because it had yeah. been in Blackburn the previous week at Roots Hall. So I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. If Derek Adams makes nine changes again like he did against um, Bristol City, I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't know what you feel. And Jack, I know you like your Tuesday night games and, and cup games, you, but you know, surely this you, you, it would be a big risk to put too many first-team players yeah. in this game. Wouldn't it? You spoke to Derek in pre-season. He, he, mm. he said that that's the point. He's not going to play a full-strength team against mm. Chelsea, didn't he? So yeah. He's already made that, and I'd be shocked if he made nine changes against Bristol and then didn't make the same amount of changes against Chelsea. Yeah. I know, Chris, you're going to do a piece explaining the rules. There are a lot of different rules um, affecting mm. who can and can't play. But yeah, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be risking any any top players for this game. It's it's pointless, really. You know, you, I just don't. I don't think it's necessary. I think the fact that he played almost a scratch team against Bristol City last week indicates that he would do exactly the same this time. You know, There's no way that he'd prioritise this game over Bristol City, is there? Yeah, I mean, he's already, as Jack says, Derek Adams has always already said he's not going to play a full-strength team against Chelsea under-21s. Um, and as you say, you know, Bristol City nine changes. Whether it had been as many as that, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, the last... Look at what happened to Oscar Threlko against Bristol City. He didn't really want to play him. He put him, as a, put him on as a sub in the second half and he came off injured and he missed the game on Saturday. You know, you don't want to risk one of your key players um, in, in the Czech Trade Trophy, pick up a slight knock and then miss what I think will be a difficult game against Southend because they'll have Phil Brown, their manager, on at them all week about how they've got to make amends for yeah. a 5-0 defeat. So, you know, yeah, be, I'd, I'd be very surprised if Argyle have, have got, you know, more than... Two or three of the players that started the game on Saturday. But they've still got a decent, you know, decent players. The, the squad, as it were, not yeah. the first team players. Yeah. The players that haven't played, you know, starting the league games. They've, they've got good enough players that can come out and put in a performance. And they there. should they need football, don't they? And so. they should have a point to prove because let's be honest, the Bristol City performance yes. was woeful. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was absolutely woeful. And those players that played in that game, this is almost another opportunity for them to, yeah, to go back and actually show that they're capable of a lot better because you know. I sat and we Jack mentioned it. I sat trying to work out man of the match from the Bristol City game, and it was nigh on impossible because mm. you know no one played anywhere near to their ability. Yeah, uh, Luke McCormick saved then. I've seen the the video highlights and watched the mm. football highlights show on Channel Five. It was a, certainly a fantastic save, and mm. one or two people are saying one of the best saves I've ever seen at home park. Yeah, I I, I think the particularly the second part of the double save 
um, you know, because the first save was good, uh, but be, to be able to sort of get himself in position, balance the the strength in his hand to push the ball up onto the crossbar and away was um, was fantastic. I must admit, I, I saw. I think it was Northampton Fleetwood and uh, the Northampton keeper. Oh, the triple save. The triple save yeah, was, was probably better. <laughs> <laughs> that was a triple save that, that was in, uh, incredible. But it was, it was a great save. And it, it's also in the context of the game. At that time, you know, Charlton were getting on top, you know, that you felt like if they got a goal, you know, they'd have been at least one and up going into half time. And, you know, it could have affected things. And it was, it was such an important moment in the game. And Jake Jervis, when we saw him after the game, mentioned it without being asked about it, the, the save. And he, he just mentioned it, that he'd given everyone such a lift that, that you know, Luke McCormick had made that save and uh, gave him a bit of extra confidence, belief, motivation to go on and get the results. So um, yeah. I, I, I thought it was an fa- absolutely fantastic save. It's always telling when the crowd jumps to their feet for a goalkeeper. That doesn't happen too often. Mm. And it's always better, I think, when things hit the crossbar. You know, if a shot hits a crossbar, it's 10 times better than if it just went inside the bar. So it, that always makes it look better as well. Well, being highly critical, I think he should have done better with the first save. I don't think the second save should have ever really happened, but uh, as I say, that's me being ultra critical. Mm. Richard O has sent us a question. Delighted with the whole team performance on Saturday, but Luke McCormick made some game-changing saves, which obviously we've just spoken about. Mm. How important will it be for Argyle to have Luke McCormick injury-free this season? Now, he was last year, Chris, and mm. Argyle won promotion, so he's, he is a key player at Home Park, isn't he? Yes. I mean, you know, he's the captain, most experienced player. I find it hard to believe, having known him for a long time, he's 34 on Tuesday. If Luke McCormick's 34 on Tuesday, that must make me about 100 or something. <laughs> so, uh, um, so happy birthday to him. And yeah, he's a, he's, he's a key player. You know, people um, got worked up about the performance of Robert uh, Toloik uh, against Bristol City uh, in, the, in the cup game last Tuesday. He didn't have a great game, but he certainly wasn't the only one. And I've got to be honest, I was disappointed with the reaction of some of the Argyle fans towards him. Um, it was his debut, you know, uh, give the guy a chance. And I, I've said to a few people, I can recall Roman Lario making uh, his debut um, or game very early on in his Argyle career against Bristol City. And he was flapping around at every cross that came in and, and didn't look very good. And I'm sure anyone who watched Roman that night would have gone away saying, he'll never play another game for Argyle. And he went on and played 318 games for them. So... Um, Yes, Luke McCormick's very important, but um, I'd like to think if Robert Tolloy plays um, against Chelsea under-21s tomorrow, he'll get a good um, good reception from the Argyle fans at the game that, that go to the game. Yeah, fair point, Joe. 100%, yeah. It's, it, was, it was sad to see. I mean, he, he came he came off Twitter, didn't he, after some of the, what, what was led to be some of the, the comments that were made by Argyle fans. But I've also seen a lot of Argyle fans saying it's unacceptable as well to yeah. give him so much abuse for, 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 one, for one game. At the end of the day, we're all pushing for the same thing. We all, we all support the same team. We all want Argyle to do well. And as Chris said, it was his, it was his debut. So he, he deserves the respect. And, you know, he didn't... The whole team had a bad game. It was an off game. They they, they happened, you know. Look at, look at Yeovil last week, lost 8-2 and then won yeah. 3-2 at the weekend. So you can't be too much into that. But Lou McCormick has, a, has been a fantastic servant for the club. And I still think he's one of the best keepers in League 1, League 2, you know, outside the Championship. And... You just have that you, when when the opposition attack breaks free. You just have that sort of almost extra sense of you're not worrying just quite so much because you know he has a steady pair of hands and he was fantastic on um, on 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 Saturday and yeah he's a huge part of the team. One of the best saves you've ever seen? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, as I said, when it when it comes off the crossbar, always just, just that extra wow factor. But 
his, his reactions are fantastic and you know there's, there's no reason why as Chris said he might be turning 34 but there's not a reason, any reason why he can't play for another few years no, yet. no 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 well goalkeepers so. generally do don't they yeah. I mean, there's yeah. plenty of goalkeepers yeah. going on to their late it's nice for Derek Adams it must be to have someone they know they, they don't have to really worry about that position as much yeah uh, moving on then, obviously Argyle broke the record last season with their number of away wins. Uh, Toby's asking, do you think Argyle will be relying more heavily on home form this season as opposed to League 2 where away form was so prominent? I guess it's down to their style of play, isn't it, Chris? Do, do they seem more suited to being at home or away this season? I, I think if you look at the, the game against Charlton on Saturday, it was almost an, uh, uh, what would be deemed an away performance in the fact that Argyle got the lead. They so tough that first half so pressure. So the pressure. Well. And then when you've got Jay, Jervis and Grant and people and Blissett that can attack with pace and power on the break, that's the way they want to play. And I think, you know, they'll play more teams at home park this season that come to, to try and get a win rather than in League Two, maybe teams were more cautious. Um, so will they rely more heavily on home form? Derek Adams wants to win every game, home and away. Um, home form's important because... In theory, there was an advantage to that, but um, I don't think they rely on home form. They're, they've got a style of play. They'll they'll play that way at home and away, and they'll hope it proves to be effective. And it has done in League Two, and we'll we'll find out if it is in League One. We played two games in League One so far. They could have got a point at Peterborough, and and they beat Charlton. And yeah, you know maybe if uh, Luke McCormick hadn't made the save he did, they might have gone on and lost that. But you know fine margins in football I, I, I think they'll just they'll carry on playing the way have the way they have done if, if, if it isn't broken don't try and fix it yeah you've been impressed with the way Argyle have, have, have played their football this season Jack it seems to be a more football based kind of well I've, I've only seen two games one of those was the Bristol City game so I mean <laughs> they, they, yeah they, they were good on Saturday I think Derek Adams is keen to try and play football you know in League 2 is a very bitty game you know there's a lot of tough physical players out there and it's not always easy to play football when you're in in League Two, in League One, possibly there'll be more of a chance. Some of the players were great on the ball on on Saturday, and just their awareness of, of space and where each other is running, and that'll only develop as time goes by. But I don't necessarily buy into home away form. It, you know, as Chris said, you try and win every game. You need to have a fairly decent record on both if you're going to be successful. Mm. And the only thing for me about home form is important is because it's where most of your revenue comes from for the tickets, yeah. obviously. Indeed. Uh, interesting to read as well, comments on social media and things about um, certain players. Uh, Gary Sawyer was one that was actually picked out. Um, people have been impressed with him so far. But we've had a question from Richard Sloman saying, given Gary Miller's impressive performance on Saturday, will Oscar Threlkeld perhaps get a chance in defensive midfield now? Now, that's an interesting one, isn't it, Chris? Because I know you've got a little mm. question mark, perhaps, about Sarkovic mm. as a long-term yeah. defensive midfielder. And Fox is, you know, getting on a little bit now. Yeah. So, yeah. Could that be a long-term position for Oscar Throwcoat? Well, I, I agree with Richard. I thought Gary Miller had a, had a good game. And I know he's not flavour of the month with, with some, some vans, but you've got to be fair and reasoned. And I thought he had a good game on Saturday against you know some tricky wide players that, that Charlton have got. You know, If Gary Miller consistently can play like that, then there's no reason why he doesn't stay in the team at right-back. And Oscar Throwcoat, as we know, is, is more than capable of playing in a defensive midfield role so that would that wouldn't be a bad situation for our goal to be in equally you know Oscar Threlkeld I think to me probably right back is his looks his best position um, so you know you'd perhaps like to see him in the side there it, what it means is if Gary Miller's playing well then that's going to cause some selection problems for Derek Adams and that's what any manager wants isn't it so um, 
I thought Miller played well on Saturday. I think long-term Threlkeld is looks to me more of a right-back and a defensive midfield player, but, you know, time will tell. I mean, um, lots of players have started their careers in one position and moved into other areas as they've gone along. Mm. Jack, what do, you, what do you think of Oscar? Well, it's always handy to have versatile players, and mm. I think, you know, that in this day and age where it is so important to have that, you know, especially the lower down the leagues you get because your squad sizes possibly aren't as big. Oscar Frelkeld, he came on leaps and bounds last year and it just shows the importance. I think we spoke in the office about young players not playing under 21 and under 23 football and coming and, you know, putting, working on your craft and working on what you can do. And he, for me, was one of the players of the season last, last year. You know, it's definitely top three. Gary Miller's, he's been criticised by some, some parts of the Green Army, but Chris is totally right. He had a fan... Won a, a very good game on Saturday, and it's right that he got some recognition for that because he's not always been getting the recognition. Possibly some of his performances have have warranted. So, yeah, it certainly helps to have versatile players because in midfield, you know, they are short. With Jamie Ness only just coming back to fitness, but I agree with Chris. He excelled at right back last year, and if Derek Adams has a headache and over selection because players are playing well, then it's a good position to be in. You mentioned Ness there. I hear that he had a. An outstanding debut on Saturday. <laughs> it was one fan put he didn't put a foot wrong in the, in the yeah. 10 seconds that he played to deserve man of the match. <laughs> Michael Eddy, uh, I think we'll be pushing towards the higher end of the table, but I worry about the size of Argyle's squad. Two or three more players would probably be ideal, or a bit more faith in some youngsters. The game in League One seems to be suited for football, and so the opportunity is there for younger players to come through. Now, we saw a lot of the Argyle youngsters in one pre-season. Jack and I went to the... Um, Devon FA game and there was several that caught the eye that night wasn't there Jack mm. so uh, it's hard to see them getting an opportunity at this moment in time though isn't it really I think when, you, when you're a youngster coming through you just got to be ready even when you are called, up, uh, called upon but you've got the likes of Lionel Wainsworth you've got, you've got Aaron Taylor Sinclair you've got so many players that are more experienced as it were that aren't, mm. aren't starting games so that obviously they're going to be ahead in the pecking order um, it's easy to say you know when, you, when you're a fan and it's easy to say, oh, I want young players to come through, but you, you can do that all you want. I mean, look at Crew; they're, they're well known for bringing young players through, but they're still in League Two at the moment. And when you have that desire to get out of League Two, as we have the last few years, you can understand why some young players haven't had the chance. We, uh, Michael talks about having two or three more players. I think Derek admitted he wanted an extra two players um, a little while ago. Yeah. That could be free now if he wants an extra striker. So I would expect two or three more players to come in before the, the end of August. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see some of the youngsters possibly on on Tuesday. Um, it's it's one thing seeing them at Newton Abbott though, isn't it? Another thing seeing them in a yeah. competitive League One fixture. So I, th I don't think we'll see too many of them making a huge impact on the first team this season. But if they are, do get the chance, and it's up to them to take it. Yeah, I mean, I think the squad-wise, there's, there's 24 professionals on the books. Uh, three of them are first-year professionals, Fletcher, Bentley and Rose. So that takes it, say, 21. You've got Ryan Taylor, who's out injured at the moment, so that takes you to 20. Um, but that's you know a reasonable sized squad, I would say. Jakob Sokolik didn't get in the, the match day squad on Saturday because you know he was the odd one out, so to speak, when it came to came to selection. Um, you know, there's going to be probably two signings before the end of the transfer window, so that's a squad of 26 professionals now. Even if three of those are first years. You know, that's a, that's a sizeable squad. It's a bigger squad than Argyle have had for, for a while. Um, as far as young players, I'm all in favour of young players. They've got to be good enough, though. You know, um, I think because Argyle haven't, ha haven't had that many young players coming through in recent seasons, this is the, the, the danger of people becoming obsessed by that we've got to have young players in the team. Yeah, we all want to see young 
players from Plymouth and the surrounding areas in the Argyle team. That's that's got to be a good thing, but they've got to be good enough. And um, Jack's right. You know, they might get one or two opportunities, and it might not be fair, but they might only their careers could depend on those one or two opportunities, and they've got to be ready to take them. So. If anyone, if any one of the youngsters plays tomorrow night against Chelsea under twenty ones, then they've got to be ready to go out there and put in a really good performance to catch the eye. And you know, you look at you know someone like Cameron Sanks during pre season. Yes, it was pre season and it didn't really matter, but he caught the eye in pre season training. Derek Adams put him into a few games, first team games. He did well and he he gained in confidence and experience. Now he's back with the under eighteens, but that's stood him in, in in good stead. So it's an example of. You know, a young player catching the eye, but then going in and making the most of the opportunity. And he'll still be there when he's in Derek Adams' head. He'll still be. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And he, I noticed he scored actually for the under 18s up at Swindon on yeah. Saturday. So I think he's the one that'd be interesting to see because he could potentially play, I think, tomorrow night against mm. Chelsea. It's, so. it's, it's got to be a possibility. Um, yeah. And you'd think the others might be involved as well, although the Southwest Peninsula side have an away game against Stoke Gabriel tomorrow night. So there's. There's, there's two games to try and uh, fill a team, two teams yeah. out without playing all first team against Chelsea. So that might sort of stretch the resources a little bit. Yeah, indeed. Uh, moving on to the Chelsea yeah. Checker Che Trophy game then. Um, it's a mouthful, isn't it? It is, yeah. I managed to do it though. <laughs> Just. Um, what sort of team can Argyle fans expect to see? We kind of touched on it already. We're pretty much expecting a, a, a second. Similar to Bristol City, team, I think. We? Yeah, I yeah. think it'll be. Yeah, with maybe one or two of the youngers, because you're playing against a young team, so why not? I haven't spoken to Derek Adams about it lately, but you know, if you're going to be playing against Chelsea's best young players, wouldn't it be a good idea for Fletcher or Bentley or Rose or one or both or all of them sort of thing to to play against Chelsea's good young prospects, and you can judge where they are compared to to Chelsea's players. So yeah, I think we're all expecting it to be a a below strength team quite how below strength we'll, we'll find out but as, as I said you know if you're not in the first team at the moment and you play at Bristol City or if you're a young player that hasn't played in the first team it should be an important game to you because yeah. you've got a point to prove mm. you know it, it might not be deemed as important to, to some people some fans and I can understand why I, I will boycott it or not go to the game because of their concerns over the Checker Trade Trophy but if you're in that starting lineup tomorrow no matter how many people are there and the fact it's in the Checker Trade Trophy, this is a chance for you to show Derek Adams what you're capable of because um, you never know when your opportunity is going to come. You know, one first-team player gets injured and there's a gap in the team and then you're in because you play well against Chelsea and away you go. Ryan Taylor's a perfect example. So, you know, you've got to be prepared yeah. to put in a really good shift. And that was the thing, disappointing thing about Bristol City mm. is that, you know, 4-0 down at half-time, I'm not done with the half-back to this too much, but you would have expected a reaction in the second half and there wasn't really a reaction at all. It was just more of the same. And um, So if if those players that play against Bristol City are playing against Chelsea tomorrow, they need to play better. Mm. And I always think it's a good game for these youngsters as well because you just don't know who's in the crowd watching. No, you know, no. If you have a good game, you stick in the mind of a scout or something. Absolutely. You know, it's got all kinds of repercussions Absolutely. for your future yeah. career. Talking of Chelsea, though, I mean, they've obviously got all kinds of talented young kids coming through. They've got players that played for the England under-19 mm. team that did so well in the summer. So it'd be interesting to see some of them players as well and, and just how good they are. Yeah, um, Mason Mount, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I played for England under-19s, played in the number 10 shirt, and was very good. And it was interesting, Jay De Silva, who played in that England under-19 um, tournament, he was on loan and played for Charlton on Saturday, quite a good game for Charlton, that left-back. Mm. So 
you, you would expect Chelsea to bring a, a good side down. Um, you know, whether Chelsea has under 21s against Argyle's reserves, should we say, is is a great benefit to anybody. I'm, I'm not sure, but. Um, it is to Jack. It is to Jack. I'm not going to knock anyone, you know. Jack, we, Jack says on the podcast he loves Tuesday night games and cup games, and, and that's, that, that's, that's fine. Um, what I would say is that because this is an inter- interesting debate, and the, the, thing, the thing that strikes me is when fans are saying anyone that, that goes to these games are supporting the, the idea of Premier League B teams coming to the league system. Well, no, I'm not. Hmm. I'll be the first one in the, you know, in the protest if that ever happens. Um, and and I, I really don't. The, the, the attendances last season proved that that doesn't really make a difference. So they're, the EFL, whoever wants to. Premier League want to do something, they'll, they've got the money to do it, haven't they, really? So, but I, will, I enjoy cup games, I will be going, but it's not to say that I'm therefore saying that I want B teams to be in, in the league system because that is the, the last thing that I want. I'm looking forward to the game. It's, it'll be interesting to see some, some Chelsea youngsters, you know. Chris, you've spoken before about going to see some mm. under 20 cup games before with the mm. of Daniel Sturridge mm. playing. And, yeah, absolutely. So you just don't know who's going to be there. Do no, you? so it's. it's you might see a star of the future that in a couple of years' time you can say, oh, I, I saw them at home park. And, and, and who's to say? I mean, I, I don't know, but it's, it's one Chelsea player stands out tomorrow and Adam thinks, well, I'll try and see if I can get him on loan and it, it might work out. That's what happened with Craig Tanner, wasn't it? After yeah. Reading came down and played an under-23 game and, and he impressed and they signed him up. So, you know, who's to say something couldn't come out of that from a Chelsea, you know, loaning an Argyle. Uh, also, what I love to see is if Argyle did progress and we, let's just say, end up getting to Wembley, how many of those people that have morals would then not turn up to Wembley? That's the interesting thing. You know, if you're not going, if you're going to boycott these games because of your moral standpoint, then you should see it throughout the whole competition. So yeah. that's, that's my view on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, 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 the one thing is, is that, you know, without going over old ground too much, um, if the EFL can turn around and say, look, the attendances are doing are going better and this is working, um, yeah, I, I fear that in a few years' time, Chelsea under 21s will be playing in the EFL. And so I can see why people are boycotting it because if you open the door even a, an inch, I think that the Premier League will try and get in. And uh, I don't want to see Plymouth Argyle play Chelsea under 21s in a, in a League One or League Two, or well, not League Two, because obviously Argyle won't get relegated, but you know, <laughs> in a League One game in the future. I don't want, I, I don't want to see that. And I, no. I, I can't believe that the vast majority of fans want to want to ever countenance that possibility. No, I totally agree. Going back to the league then, um, as we say, Argyle have Southend on Saturday. Uh, Graham Coughlin's at Southend. He is, it? yes. So, um, yeah, Argyle legend. Nice for you to meet up with, yes. uh, with Coco again. Yeah. And as you say, Chris, they were they were stuffed five 0 by Rotherham at the weekend. A similar yes. sort of performance to Argyle. I think they were four 0 down in no time at all. Southend, uh, so uh, unbelievable because they beaten Blackburn yeah. and Roots all the week before. Ryan Leonard is another uh, Argyle uh, former Argyle player. Uh, only played the once, but Plymouth lad and has done fantastically well at Southend. A lot of transfer speculation about him over the summer and Sheffield United. Though I think were very keen. I think Millwall have been as well. Yeah, they they? Were. Um, but Sheffield United were very keen. Ryan's still there at the moment. You know. I think he, he never, scored against Blackburn as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, um, It's always a bit difficult when you go into a game against a team that are coming off a 5-1 drubbing because you know that all week that's going to get hammered into them, isn't it? Mm. We want a reaction, we want a reaction. So I think Argyle are going to walk into a little bit of a storm there and it might be a case of uh, you know, holding tight for the first half and then trying to weather the uh, weather they probably uh, onslaught that they're going to get and then see how they can uh, take the game in the second half. It's what we love about 
English football though is that uh, you know people say in League Two a team anyone can be anyone. I think in English football anyone can be anyone. You know you you see that in every league up and down. No one would have predicted Robin would win five 0 after after last weekend's results. The the one thing I will say is I just wish Chris and everyone travelling up this Friday yes, better yeah, than the last away game because that's yeah. <laughs> two two oil spills the last two Fridays. So. Um, Fingers crossed it's not a third time. I know, let's hope we get there in, uh, <laughs> in a reasonable amount of time. Indeed. Well, guys, that's, uh, thanks for joining me. That's all we've got time for this week. We'll be back again next week with more of the same. But don't forget that we'll host our Argyle web chat on Friday ahead of the weekend trip to Southend. Thanks for listening. We are always happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at HeraldPAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.